0: Hi, I'm Dan Krinas, host of the Leader of Learning Podcast, a part of the Education
1: Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com.
0: Hey, welcome back, Steve here, and today I've got a cool conversation with my friend, colleague, author, and fellow podcaster, Jeff Eichler. He's the author of Shifting, How School Leaders Can Create a Culture of Change, and the host of the podcast, Getting Unstuck, Cultivating Curiosity. Join us as we have fun talking about uh, one more and uh, finding our purpose or remembering our purpose. Cool conversation. You're going to love this talk. Thanks for listening and don't forget, it would be so awesome if you shared the podcast with your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues, your family members. How about it, huh? Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show.
1: It's the education podcast, your favorite show with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that yeah, here's another show with Dr. Steve oh. Teaching, learning, leading. K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, Learning, Leading, K-12, ah, ah, with Dot Steve Maletto. Steve, welcome to Getting Unstuck, Cultivating Curiosity.
0: Hey, Jeff, it's awesome to see you again, and uh, welcome to uh, Teaching, Learning, Leading, K-12.
1: Yeah, excellent. So, Steve, for my listeners, tell us a little bit about your show.
0: Cool. So my show is basically I try and find topics that are going to be of interest to the classroom teacher um, or the building administrator. And uh, through that, I hope that they find some support or, if nothing else, some escape, because I also bring on uh, uh, thrill writers and stuff like this that talk about the writing process. So, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of a lot of different things going on there, but it's all about supporting the classroom teacher and the building administrator.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Very good. I'll, I'll tell your audience a little bit about me, if that's okay. Please,
0: yeah. Let's, let's talk to us about getting unstuck and uh, culti- uh, getting unstuck, cultivating curiosity. There you
1: go. Right. So um, I've been at this, uh, I think, um, a little bit less time than you have. But over the five years that I've been involved with this, we, we're now in our third act, our third iteration. We started off talking about change in general, institutional change, leaders change, that sort of thing. Then we switched over to education because that was our background. We were, we had both been teachers. We had both worked for an educational publisher. And then when my co-host left a little over a year ago, I really got the bug to focus on curiosity because I just sensed that as a people, as leaders, we need to be asking more questions as opposed to just jumping in and trying to solve things, we need to be asking more questions and teaching our, helping our staff to ask more questions, if you will. So that was, that's really, that's really where I am.
0: Very cool. And, and, you know, and it, what's, what's neat is that we've, we've stayed in contact over the the years was, and uh, what's um, really cool. I've been a listener of your, your podcast through its different uh, stages and such. And I got a chance to interview you and your colleagues, um, um, Co-host and co-writer of of your book Shift. Can can you share something about Shift real quick? I I know you you're, you're humble about that stuff, but it's a cool book, and it'd be cool if you share. Yeah. That.
1: So that was that was based on um, a lot of experience um, shifting how school leaders can create a culture of change, and uh, it it came from uh, my, part of my experience as a teacher, but a lot of it came from when I worked in the educational publishing space for almost forty years. I I. Worked with a lot of educators across the country, and what I saw—I'll uh, say universally. Obviously, there—you know—there are some people that that do this pretty well, but almost universally, a lot of educators had trouble um, changing with purpose, if you will. Um, uh, they would—they would do the next shiny thing, you know, that they had heard at a conference or whatever. And then they would drop that and then they would move to something else. And it was all understandable. They were trying to get results for their their schools, but they weren't necessarily sticking with something. And the bigger issue was, and I we're gonna get into this today, it's only one of my favorite topics, Steve, <laughs> is they 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 weren't really, they may have had a purpose. It may have been what their school board posted in you know, one of the staff rooms, you know, 12 points. But the problem is those things often sound like the school district right down the road, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and what, what, I, what, what, what we tried to do in the book was say purpose has to be uh, much more concise. It's got to be something that can roll off the tongue. Any staff member you catch in the hallway has to be able to say what it is that that school, that district is trying to achieve. So that's really what the book was about. Cause teachers are educators are just inundated with, you know, you should do this, you should do that. And they, you know, they often try to respond, but it gets them into, uh, as I said, it gets them into this never ending cycle of, well, we're going to do this for a while. And then we're going to shift to this for a while. And then we're going to shift to this and staff gets kind of burnt out.
0: Yeah, so much. And it's a, it's an awesome book. Cause it really addresses that. And I, so I want to make sure you got a chance to share that because it's, it's cool. Oh. So, um, you know, I, I got to tell you, listeners, you got to, if you haven't checked out Jeff's book, Shifting, you, you need to do that. What's the whole title, Jeff?
1: Shifting, um, How School Leaders Can Create a Culture of Change.
0: So cool. So uh, it's good stuff. So so let's let's talk a little bit about how this came about. I mean, we started talking about some of the different stuff. And, I mean, like one of your big areas is coaching versus mentoring. And, uh, you know, we talked about a couple different ideas. And uh, um, so – I mean, you want to share a little bit about how this kind of. Yeah,
1: yeah So back to your point that we've interviewed each other, you and I have been uh, talking for a couple of years now. I can I consider you a friend, not just a a co-podcaster or a co-educator, if you will.
0: Appreciate it. I, I you, so you, I consider you a friend too. So it's cool.
1: So I, uh, how this started really was me going to you and saying, Steve, I want to interview some educators who are, nurturing curiosity in their classroom because there is so much bad press these days about education and teaching you know educators have gone through covid uh they've had to endure you know unfortunately terribly uh, school violence you know with shootings there has been a large controversy over what teachers can and can't teach and how they can teach and what, what gets lost in that is the extreme dedication that teachers bring to the classroom every day, trying to do the best on behalf of the kids in the communities they serve. So I wanted to do some stories about curiosity, how teachers are helping to um, uh, develop curiosity on the part of their kids, because there's, there's great research, Steve, that shows that after third grade, curiosity, creativity, innovation plummets. And, but it's not universal. There are a lot of teachers out there doing very cool things. And so I went to my genius friend, Steve Muletto, and said, can you hook me up with a couple of teachers, uh, uh, to, to showcase that. And in the course of that, you and I got to talking about coaching versus mentoring, being a change agent, um, AI, which I know is one of your, interesting yes. topics, teacher burnout, self-care, work-life balance. And uh, during the course of that conversation, you started talking about you and I started talking about me, right? Right. And, right. and so we thought this is, this is kind of interesting because a lot of our listeners are probably going through the same mental gymnastics that you and I are trying to figure out what I call the next big thing. Like what's the next thing for me? Right. So Steve, you want to talk about what, what you're up to in that regard?
0: I appreciate Jeff. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, um, yeah, so this is my 36 year in public education in the state of Georgia. And, they uh, and a lot of times when I say that to my friends, they go, You're your thirty-sixth year and I go I go, Yeah and they're like, Why have you retired, man? And I go, Well, you know, I don't think I wanna retire and uh, you know, and they're like, Well, you know, and they talk to you about finances and stuff. Well then I talked with you know, I've talked with finance people and they said, Well, this is why people in Georgia retire around the age of you know, at least 32 to 34 years, they, they don't really, they try not to go past that because, and then, you know, and then a lot of times they become, you know, they, they, they appear at vendors like uh, they're, they're selling yearbooks or rings and things like this. And, and I'm like, uh, you know, that's not really what I want to do. And, and, and so I've been thinking about it over the last bunch of years, especially when I got close to 30, as I was watching some of my colleagues retire and some go to Florida and some go to selling yearbooks. And not that there's anything wrong with selling yearbooks. That's not, that's, you know, that's not my point. Um, but I really, I started thinking, you know, what's next for me? And then something happened. I had a health event where, uh, you know, I had to have surgery, a 10-hour surgery where, um, you know, they they had to remove a tumor out of my head and uh, without going into details, it's like uh, I had that, the recovery process really sat me down and made me think about, is, is this how I'm going to end? You know, cause it's I'm recovering from this and I could easily just see myself um, stopping and, but in something that started nagging at me, I was that I've got to have more in me. And I actually heard a presentation and then I read a book by, the gentleman's name is Ed Milet and, uh, he has a neat podcast and, uh, he, um, John Maxwell uses him a lot. And, and, uh, his, he has this book where he talks about one more and he has this message where great, he talks great. about one more. And that's just started echoing with me about, you know, I'm not ready to retire. I got one more in me. And at the same time, you know, now a friend of mine was talking to me about, and he oh, was, Oh, it's so tempting. He's like, uh, first of all, it'd be cool to work with him, and second of all, um, he he start, he said, "Why don't you just come do just podcasting, and where you go do podcasting for other people? You know, you're the one who you interview them and then you create the podcast and all this stuff and and I and I that's cool. That would be neat. And then I started thinking, Am I ready to do that full time? Because it's kind of like it's neat, but is that really what I and and that's where it started hitting me that I think really part of what my purpose is is that I go to places to help deal with shifting or just or changing or, you know, getting, you know, we, we've been in this one track and we really need to get shifted to another track or something like this. And, and that's kind of what started hitting me going back to Ed's message about the one more. Cause what he was talking about was always like, he's a big weightlifter, you know, you know, People say, uh, "Oh, I'll give it one more. Don't quit yet. Give it one more." And oh, right, right, right. Yeah, and it it started hitting me, and I was like, "Well, I may not be a weightlifter; <laughs> far from it. <laughs> but you know, I could give it one more." I, you know, and and to me, what that meant was looking at what my purpose has become over the last bunch of years. I mean, I got into teaching because I wanted to make history fun, and you know, so that, that was kind of my purpose. Then I found out there's more to teaching than making the class fun. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot more to it. And, 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 but that helped me design my purpose that I'd like to, I happened to work for a, a great leader who his whole job was to, he, he saw it as making it a place where teachers could teach. And, uh, and he wanted people who, who did exactly what you're, you're going to talk about, which is generate that curiosity. And, and I went, you know, when I grow up, I want to be like Bob, that was his name. And, uh, and I, um, and so that set me on the route of, I want to be a change agent. And so I, you know, set myself up to do that type of stuff. And so that's the one more in me is that I can help whatever it is. If an organization needs to take another step in a n- new direction or something, like that's the one more for me. And so that's what I'm trying out. Cause I, you know, there's so many other things. I mean, the podcasting thing, I, yeah, you know, I'd love to write a book. I don't know if, um, that's ever I tried uh, putting some. Although, eh, you know, there's a lot of people who were told no more than I was. I was told no twice. <laughs> and I was, uh, you know. But uh, anyway, I don't know if that helps. But that's my thoughts about one more kind of that that idea of I still got gas in the tank. My purpose is still right, right. still there. So,
1: so Steve, how does that? How does one more actualize itself in the work that you're currently doing?
0: So how what that means is that I. You know, I help an organization uh, uh, look at uh, where it needs uh, it needs someone who's uh, f- you know helping to put some new energy into it to look at uh, the different directions it could go to help the systems that it works for because the systems are constantly looking for help and and so that's what you know it's not that the thing it it's broken or something like this um, it's that uh, it needs some new energy and new direction and that's my one more here is that I have those thoughts about uh, let's come together as a team and let's figure this out, how we can be focused on, uh, you know, that next step that we go to, what do we stand for? What is it that we think about? What is it that, you know, what makes us different than other people that uh, would make a system say, we really want to go to the stuff you, you know, we want to participate in what you do.
1: Right. So when you talk about systems, you're talking about, um, school districts. Yes. At, yes. Le- at least one of the, the, the systems that you deal with, you're talking about school districts.
0: Correct. I'm talking about school districts where, uh, in my role, what I, I do is I'm a, um, I'm an executive director of what's called a RISA and it's called a regional educational service agency. And they, uh, basically and they, they exist in different forms across the United States. Um, but it, it's, all about uh, supporting your school systems, having service and support. Do you have a team in which you address the, the needs um, of your school systems? And you. sometimes we reach out and say, here, we can help you with this. Would you like help? Or sometimes they ask, hey, can you help us with this? And my answer is always yes. And then we, I come back to the team and say, can we do it? <laughs> and let's figure it out, <laughs> that type of thing.
1: Yeah, so what is, what's something that, that your superintendents are wrestling with?
0: Oh, there's a whole bunch of things right now. Uh, but the biggest one is, it, it's twofold, which is they don't want to lose good people because it's very stressful right now. and, right, right. and they and, the, and they listen to people. They're, you know, there's all kinds of voices out there that, you know, for, I don't know, I know this, I don't have an exact measurement of this, but for about 40 years they've been, you know, hearing that anybody can teach. Um, and then you have, everything comes to a head with, uh um you know, COVID hits and their world suddenly is, uh, um, thrust into this whole idea of being virtual and, um, having to deal with, uh, different things there. And you have kind of changes in our society where, you know, people come in yelling before they, uh, they listen and, uh, um, and you have two sides against each other, even from the beginning. And, and you know, that, that, puts a lot of stress on a classroom teacher and building administrators. So th- when I said twofold, it's not just the teachers, it's the administrators. They don't want to lose good people who might go, you yeah, know, this is kind of, this is more stressful than I thought it was going to be and, you know, head out the door. And so that's a big part of what we're trying to figure out is giving them, finding ways of giving them the tools and support to help them stay. Do yeah. It's
1: interesting. Uh, Steve, my, my wife is head of sales for an educational publishing company and yeah. she has she had a couple of positions open recently uh, for like district salespeople, regional salespeople. And overwhelmingly, the people that were applying to her job were not salespeople, they were educators. Wow yeah they were people who said just as you said, I'm kind of done. you know I need to I need to do something else. I still want to use my education background right. All right. Which she loves the fact that they're coming and she doesn't have to teach them about education. But I think that's, that's emblematic that uh, people, they're looking for their next big thing too, you know? Right. Right. And, and, but I'm encouraged that they still want to do education. They just need a, a different venue to, to do it.
0: Yeah. It's so uh, it's, you know, in my last, uh, before I moved into um this role as a director, uh, um I was principal of schools that need some adjustments. In my last school, I'll never forget this teacher who, there was someone who was recruiting. Now there's nothing wrong with selling insurance. Okay. So before I say this, you know, you <laughs> um,
1: get all sorts of calls, Steve?
0: right? Exactly. <laughs> but the, you know, uh, it's rough when one of your best teachers is recruited by somebody who at one time he used to be a very good teacher and uh, he would he was picking off teachers left and right bringing them you know to the insurance agency and I would be I found myself saying to people is, it, is that really your calling is that really you think that's going to be your thing because he's promising you big money in the insurance agency and you know it's it's unfortunate because today you have any all kinds of different Directions that people have gone, like you know, I, maybe I can make money on YouTube. Maybe I can make money over here, you know. And then, and the unfortunate thing is that what they're really doing is they're they're kind of overwhelmed in their in their world of education, and so they're looking for something that was not going to, I guess, stress them out so much.
1: Yep, yep. So, your story um, resonates a lot with me, Steve because I have have found that I keep gravitating towards this idea of, of purpose, individual and organizational purpose. And I know that's partly what you work on with your superintendents. And this really started for me when I was doing some educational consulting a few years back. And I was talking to an assistant principal of a fairly a uh, big high school. It was a, a good-sized district. And she was all excited because their graduation rate had gone up. And I don't mean to disparage graduation rates, but when when we dug into this, that that seems to me an outcome of what you're doing versus what you're all about as a school system. The goal should not be uh, increasing graduation rates, the goal should be doing something that results in increasing graduation rates if that makes sense. And what oh, this district sense. what this district was missing was what are we about our kids and our community? what are what are we trying to do on behalf of our kids and our community? And they could not answer the question what's your, what's your overall purpose here? And that get, that got me started. On this on this whole examination of of personal and organizational uh, purpose, and I've been reading I've been reading this wonderful book uh, by a, a gentleman named Kevin Cashman, and it's called Leadership from the Inside Out. And I I use this both in my consulting work with school leaders, but also in my my coaching with non-school people. And what he this was so fascinating. He said we largely overfocus on the what and the how and underfocus on the why. We don't talk enough about why we're doing what we're doing. What is it that we're trying to accomplish on behalf of of those we serve? And he asked that he yes, a, a penetrating question in there. Why do we exist? Think about that. Why do we exist right. as a school system?
0: Yeah, and I think that's powerful because I I know a lot of people can't even answer that question. They say, you know, and, and, and as a note, I'm pretty sure that uh, you know if you go way back when when education became a way of doing something with all the people that were moving into the towns and the the industrial areas <laughs> from the from the farms and you know it became its purpose was to at least give something to people who uh, don't have a real purpose but you know we've changed so much and i I think you've, you you could have five people in a room and have different reasons why they think we exist
1: there you go. And I, I look at what you're talking about, you know, teachers leaving the field, teachers feeling burnt out, and it reminded me, um, I'm kind of a movie geek, I write screenplays <laughs> as a hobby, cool. so it reminded me of a scene from um, LA Confidential, um, where two cops were talking about why they got, why they wanted to become cops. and. One of them, the the actor is Guy Pierce. he He asks the other actor who's Kevin Spacey. He said, "Why did you want to become a, a, a cop?" And Kevin Spacey pauses and it's a beautiful pause, and he goes, "I don't remember." That's powerful. And I just wonder how many of how many of us in education who have been beaten down over the years, having to adjust to so many things, we may have forgotten why we wanted to get into education in the beginning. And it hasn't been necessarily reinforced um, in the, in the system that they're in. And so they look for something else.
0: You know, it's so, uh, so, so telling, because when you talk about it, they, you know, it does, you know, whatever their reasoning for thinking about it, um, it, in many cases, it's a fragile balance there and it does make it easy to say well i don't know maybe you know maybe something on youtube will work for me or you know let's go back to my ring selling you know <laughs> maybe, maybe that's going to work better for me and you know it's uh um, and to all my friends who do that this is nothing against what you do okay it's just it's just not my thing <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> but it's you know it, it is, it's very fragile that's that's it's i i think a lot of people forget you know why do we do this? Because that, to me, that's the power in what we do. If, if, if we can constantly remind ourselves why we thought this was important, you know, working with kids, and you know, there's all kinds of little sayings that go with it. I touch the future. I teach, or right, you know, right. but but you really do. There's nothing cooler than you know someone who finds you a bunch of years later, unless they're looking for you because they're still mad at you because of something.
1: You, know, that, yeah, you gave me a beam, Mr. Mileto. You know. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. exactly. You know, but the ones, I mean, they they find you, and they're, they're in their early 40s, late 30s, and they say, hey, I just wanted to tell you. I mean, because I've even had ones who've apologized to me for how they behave because when I was an assistant principal, I kept seeing them all the time. I've had ones in their thirties and they've apologized to me. And I, I've had others who, uh, you know, they seek you out and they remember you being a teacher and stuff, you know, and in my world where I work now, it's the coolest thing. I was introducing myself to, um, to the, all these groups of educators at this conference saying, Hey, I'm going to be up in the area now. I'm now the director here and, and blah, blah. Well, afterwards, uh, um, someone came up to me um, who was a principal at an elementary school, and then, and lo and behold, I had been her world history teacher way back when she was 16 years old. I'm <laughs> like, oh, my world's catching up to me.
1: <laughs> uh, well, that can make you feel good, or it can make you feel old. One, you know, one or one or both.
0: Exactly, it, it does both. But it, it's kind of cool, though, that they. I mean, even. I mean, when they can start talking about things that, uh, you know, something that they liked or something like that, that uh, happened in those days and you go, oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's so cool. So, I mean, what other profession, there's not very few that do stuff like that. I mean, we, you may go to a doctor later and say, thank you for saving my life. But you know, it's, I mean, which by the way, not that there's anything wrong with that either, but the the point is, is that, you know, it's what a cool thing about teaching is that, uh, you know, you, you create fans forever.
1: You impacted somebody.
0: Yes. Right. Right. And they may not realize it until, you know, they it's, you know, 10 years down the road and suddenly they go, oh, my gosh, you know, like 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 those V8 commercials that you used to have on TV a long time exactly. ago.
1: You know? I remember those. Steve. thank you. you know? Thank
0: you, Jeff. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, but
1: yeah, I've used those a couple of times with people and I've gotten a blank stare, you know. <laughs> That's like, well, yeah, one of the don't... problems
0: If I grew up on uh, lots of reruns from the 60s. And, uh, you know, there were reruns in my, in my day and I still continue to watch them over the time. And so then you use references that people go, um, what? Oh, I think I saw that on me TV or something, you know? Oh! Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so this, uh, this purpose bug, much like what you described with one more, uh, has, has really caught me. I'm going to be 72 in December.
0: Congratulations! And
1: and you know the podcast keeps me busy. My coaching keeps me busy. But there's this nagging feeling inside that says um, there's something else that I have yet to discover. And it's so interesting, Steve. I was again referring back to Cashman. He talks about this. He said, "Don't look externally for your thing. It's in you, and it's always been in you." And you know, through life, we we do what's expected of us or what we think other people want from us want us to do. And we often forget that it's almost like it's DNA imprinted on us. And we, I'm, I'm just sensing there's something else in me that I haven't done yet. And I don't know if it's a, if it's a second book, um, or, or what, but, but it, it there is this kind of nagging thing and it's, and I'm trying to get at it through the curiosity by understanding myself better, what motivates me, what my values are and things like that. You're never too old to do those, those kinds of exercises, you know? That's excellent. So, excellent. yeah.
0: That's, that's cool. Cause that's, uh, you know, um, as you're trying to find that out, I mean, as you're trying to figure it out, I mean, cause like I, I'm hoping I heard the right voice <laughs> in my shifting and stuff like this, like you're trying to figure out the same thing. It's like, Um, I think to to me, that's something that's so important. I think that's one of the things that unfortunately has driven off some educators is that they don't remember. They're not listening to a voice about what their purpose is or what they They're listening to confusing voices that, uh, that they're, you know, I don't want to tell like a victim, but kind of are falling victim to listening to that wrong voice that, uh, and that voice may be an outside voice, not even inside, you know, it's not themselves. It's somebody else saying, Oh, you don't want to do that anymore. Why don't you do this? You know? Kind of, right. Kind of the guy that was picking off my teachers to sell insurance, you know, <laughs> like, right. Not like, like, once again, not that there's anything wrong with selling insurance for all my listeners.
1: <laughs> Angry letters on the way. Yeah. I, I had this, I had this idea of, of, uh, in being inside of you reinforced. I watched, uh, a, a trailer of, of a Steven Spielberg movie that's coming out. Ah. And I think it's called the Fablements. I think you're right. And it's, it's autobiographical. It's about him growing up and becoming interested in, in film work, but it's obviously it's about his family. And when he was being interviewed, somebody said, well, why did you do this film? And he said something to the effect that uh, he's, he's 75 or going to be 75. He said, I looked at all of the movies that I've done, and I asked myself, what's the one movie I haven't done that I would regret not doing, cool, and that just that just nailed it for me. That's it's like cool. because he's talking about that there's and what does he do? He he does an autobiographical film about his himself and his family, but it's just it really nailed that idea that it's inside of you.
0: That that's awesome because that it because you know when you if you were to ask me that I think I think that's the same thing that's the when I keep, what when I'm referring to as voices. You know, by the way, not really voices. Okay. (laughs) I'm not hearing other people talk inside my head, but the, the, I think. I can edit
1: that out, Steve, if you want, you know. (laughs)
0: Thanks. (laughs) You know, it's, but it's, you know, it's one of those things that they, but it really is kind of a voice where you're like, you know, just like it sounds like um, Spielberg's talking about, which is, uh, you know, would I have regrets about not doing that? doing this or not pursuing or stopping too soon. Did I stop too soon? You know, kind of like that. What's that, uh, the, the story about the acres of diamonds or whatever. I've heard that story where, uh, the person, basically the person stops looking for diamonds and, uh, and then sells off the land. And then the next person buys the land goes a little bit further and boom, (laughs) there's all the diamonds. And, you know, it's, um, it's almost like that feeling. So,
1: so, um, Steve what's a um what's the thought you want to leave our listeners with when you think about um, one more purpose and and that general topic
0: i think the the biggest thing is uh, that you know if you're if you're feeling like things are overwhelming or you're, or you're you got too much going on or something like this um it may be that you just need to 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 revisit your purpose, <laughs> to revisit what your thoughts are about what what it is that you do well or like to do, and uh, and even if it's like here's a here's an here's an old reference for you you know, take a left turn at Albuquerque. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like you know, it's it's like the thing where uh, uh, maybe you just need to revisit that. And I and I'd like my listener all the listeners to this to think about that is that we just need to revisit our purpose. Cause maybe we, we've taken a left term in Albuquerque Kirky and we're not really doing our purpose or addressing it. We're just kind of stuck in a rut where we, we got, or maybe there's that, that thing, if you're feeling like giving up, there's that one more that you could go after. So uh, hopefully that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: How about and you, Jeff? What do, what do you think?
1: I think it's a, it's a, I'm going to riff on that a little bit that for me, it's, If you're, if you're feeling that inside of you, that nagging feeling, if you're hearing the voices of wanting more champion that don't, you know, we often think of our inner critic voice, you know, the negative voice, but, but if, if you hear that other voice trying to come out, that's something that's a good sign that there's still, there's still something in you that needs to get out and to explore that and explore it with curiosity. Oh, I love that. That's cool. So, um, Steve, this is, this is a wonderful way to start the day to oh, spend agree. 45 minutes with you and on topic, which we actually, that we obviously have a lot in common about. So, uh, I look forward to the next one.
0: I do too, Jeff, this has been awesome. I mean, this is, this is a cool way to spend time with a friend and a colleague and talking about things that, uh, that matter to us. And, uh, and getting a chance to, to, to hear each other out. This is cool. I like this idea. So I can't wait till we do the next one. This would be awesome.
1: Very good. Uh, it could be AI, if you like.
0: So. Ah, yes. Is it real or is it not? Or how, how about is it uh, in the days of uh, 2001 and uh, we got Hal talking to Dave, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say, is it real or is it Memorex?
0: Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> I should have said that. That would have been good. <laughs> nice. Well, Jeff, I look forward to our next conversation. It'll be cool. All
1: right, my friend. Take, take care. Take care.
0: Stay healthy. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, Podcast by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and host. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmuleto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much, you're awesome.